you are Locked On A's. Your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, A's fans, and welcome to episode 221 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's show, we are doing our crossover episode. These are weekly crossovers with other AL West hosts from the Locked On Network. Uh, today, we have the Angels host, Brent McGuire. We have a, a long conversation, so I'm going to keep this, uh, this little bit short. For tomorrow's episode on Thursday, I'm going to be going over the spring training games that happened both on Wednesday and Thursday, and then uh, going over a little bit of the news, like uh, the minor league season is going to be pushed back a little bit further, um, and you know all of that stuff and what that entails. There's going to be alternate sites again. There, there's a whole lot to get into on that, so I'm going to be going over that on Thursday. On Friday, I'm going to be talking about Matt Chapman as the AL MVP, making a case for that, as I mentioned in my interview with, uh, or my chat, not an interview, it was a chat, it was a crossover, it was collaborative. But yeah, I'm going to be talking about Matt Chapman and his MVP case. I'm going to be talking about Rookie of the Year's, uh, Cy Young's, all of that fun stuff. So uh, that'll be for Friday because Bet Online uh, released their odds and all that stuff uh, last week. So figured I'd get into that at some point. So that's what we're doing on Friday. So that's the rest of this week for you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm going to break into this episode at a couple of points and just interrupt the whole conversation that we're having to present some sponsors for the podcast. So uh, that'll happen a couple times here. But uh, I don't want to waste too much more of your time. So before I get into it, uh, please follow us on social media at Locked On Aids on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at ByJasonB on Twitter. And uh, if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So without further ado, do here is my conversation with Brent McGuire of Locked On Angels. Hey Brent, so the Angels have done some things this offseason. I don't know if it's going to be enough, but uh, can you tell me what moves have they made that have gotten you excited about Angels baseball in 2021? This is a hard question to answer, uh, partially because I don't think I'm all that excited about a lot of the additions that they made. They were active this past offseason. They did bring in seven guys on MLB deals. They're all one-year contracts, but You've got Jose Quintana and Alex Cobb in the rotation. I don't think it's enough, but they are the additions in the rotation. Rysel Iglesias, Alex Claudio in the bullpen. They brought in Kurt Suzuki at catcher, Dexter Fowler in right, Jose Iglesias at shortstop. Again, none of those names are going to move the needle all that much for the Angels, but you are talking about guys that have played in the majors before. There is something to be said about raising the floor for the team. Unfortunately, I don't know if they've necessarily raised the upside all that much so we'll see what happens maybe this was the strategy they needed all along but we'll find out do you think that they have any chance of going after like a Jake Odorizzi who's still on the market and he could be a nice upgrade in the rotation they've got some arms in the rotation I don't know that they're necessarily they're, they're a little bit better than usual but I don't know that they're necessarily get them to the playoff level yet but Jokey would Jake Odorizzi be a guy that could you know help them out in that in that regard Odorizzi makes so much sense for many reasons. There were a lot of starters who made a lot of sense this offseason. Um, the addition of Odorizzi would push somebody to the bullpen. There has been talk about Alex Cobb moving to the bullpen. Potentially, that's not something the team is talking about, but it kind of makes sense. In terms of like the rotation as it stands, if things were to break perfectly, 
for the team. If you got the average seasons from Dylan Bundy, Heaney, Cobb, Canning, Quintana, and you got a healthy Otani, things could go well. But my concern is that's not going to happen. There are going to be injuries, especially coming off of the shortened season, seeing these guys build back up. I'm really concerned about what happens after that first injury. If a Dylan Bundy or an Andrew Heaney goes down with injury, it's going to get really thin in a hurry. Who are their depth guys behind those guys? And is their bullpen, I mean, obviously they got Rysel Iglesias as the closer now. Can they help bridge that gap a little bit if they if their starters are going like five innings consistently? Do they have guys to get them through innings six through nine on a consistent basis? Or is it kind of like, eh, we'll see. The depth guys are actually interesting. I kind of like Patrick Sandoval a lot. He's a rare lefty with three pitches that are pretty good, but he hasn't proven much at the major league level yet. Jaime Berea is out of options, so he's definitely going to be on the roster in some regard. But beyond that, it gets kind of thin really quickly. They've got Reed Detmers, their 2020 first-round pick. Uh, Chris Rodriguez is another guy who could find his way up there. But yeah, in terms of the bullpen, I actually think it's a pretty good unit. Uh, Iglesias is very good at the back end. I kind of like the trio of Felix Pena, Mike Myers, Ty Buttrey. All three of those guys have shown kind of like varying levels of success over the past few seasons. And with bullpens and relievers in general, they're very, very volatile. So we'll see what happens. I think there's enough in the bullpen, but I don't know if it's enough to overcompensate for a pretty underwhelming rotation. It looks like from the outside that there are upgrades that have been made. Uh, There's no more Hobie Milner on the roster. So that's, that's a plus, I think. Uh, I know that he gave up the opening day home or grand slam to Matt Olson last year. So that's how I know his name. Cause I was like, well, that's an interesting name and one pitch and we're going home. So uh, that, that was a quick one for me, but uh, yeah, it looks like they're better than last season. I don't know how much better uh, they're, they're probably we'll get into it later. The, the outlook and whatnot. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we can pivot to talking about the A's now. Uh, I guess like the one reason I'm a little more optimistic about the angels making the playoffs is the fact that the A's got worse in some regard. The Astros got worse because they lost George Springer. Now, both of those teams I still think are good, but the division is more open than it's been in recent years. I kind of want to ask you about the A's offseason as a whole. Luckily they were active the last few weeks. I'm sure you were going crazy after just losing player after player after player, but they kind of beefed up their bullpen still feels like they're a little light on particular areas, but I want to get your thoughts on the additions and subtractions over the off season. Well, if you haven't been keeping track, uh, the A's lost 10, well, they had 10 free agents. You know, some of them were like Jake Lamb and, you know, other additions like uh, Mike Miner who weren't really up for resigning and whatnot. And, uh, you know, some people like to point it out, like, they didn't resign anybody. I'm like, well, they resigned Yusmero Petit, who's been a very integral part of their bullpen for a number of years now. So he's a nice guy to have back. Uh, obviously, they didn't resign uh, Marcus Simeon, and they offered him a laughable contract. So I think that uh, that wasn't a lot of fun for A's fans. That was probably the lowest point. Uh, Liam Hendricks, who's one of the best relievers in baseball the last couple of years, he signed with the White Sox. They look like a really good team, though. Um, so those were uh, the big subtractions from the team. Then they lost like Joaquin Soria and a couple of other guys, too. But those were the, the big ones. The, the bullpen had just been basically dismantled. And so you're like, all right, well, we got J.B. Wendelkin and Jake Diekman and uh, Lou Trevino. And 
question marks. We've got a rule five pick, a guy that's out of waiver, or, you know, out of uh, out of options. We'll see what we can make out of this. And then the last couple of weeks, they traded for Elvis Andrews, which was a, a big deal in a few different regards because they traded Chris Davis, who had been the team's DH. I'm, I'm sure Angels fans know Chris Davis. Um, and so they traded him and his contract. They got $13.5 million to cover Elvis Andrews' contract for this year. So it opened up a lot of money for the A's to go spend. And then they immediately, so they got a, a shortstop, one. <laughs> that, that's a plus. And then they uh, went and signed Mike Fires. They got a fifth starter who can put down innings. He can probably give you 150 in a general year. You know, just usually he'll give you 150. He might not be great. They'll have like a four ERA or something like that, maybe a four or five. Those are, that's a decent ERA for somebody that you're paying a couple million dollars to, whatever. Um, so that was, that showed up the rotation with basically the rotation that we had last year. And then the last couple of weeks, they've been making a bunch of additions. I had to write them down because there have been so many. They re-signed Yusmer Petit. They got Sergio Romo, who's solid. He's older, but he's still really good. And he's very excited to be with the A's, which uh, is making me excited that he's on the A's. Um, then they traded for Adam Kolarik. They traded Sheldon Noisy, who was a minor league guy. He had he had opportunities to make the team, and he hadn't yet. So there has, it feels like there was something that was keeping him from the big leagues, uh, maybe personality-wise. I don't know. I'm not starting rumors. I'm just saying it feels like he would have gotten his shot by now if he was going to be with the A's. And now he's with the Dodgers. Um, so they got Adam Kolarik. He is pretty solid soft tossing soft tossing lefty from the you know just sidearm uh he's a ground ball guy he's probably going to be going after lefties and righties this year he's been making some adjustments i'm excited about that uh they got trevor rosenthal they got a closer now he's if he keeps up with what he did last year he can be what liam Hendricks was to the team so you replace a pretty big hole in uh the a's bullpen right there with him and then they added uh, mitch moreland so mitch moreland not a bad guy to face solely righties. He's going to be a platoon DH, but it also opens up the DH spot a little bit more to be able to platoon guys. Like if Steve Piscotty is only facing lefties, then, you know, as the DH, then maybe he can stay a little bit healthier and uh, see how that goes. Maybe you get more production out of him. You can use some of your younger guys, your more athletic guys in the outfield. See what happens there. Get, get another lefty bat in the lineup as well. So they made some additions and you said that it looks like they got worse and, I, there's an argument to be made that they could actually be better talent wise this year over last year. Um, it, it basically depends on what you're getting from Elvis Andrews. If he's playing 130, 140 games should be okay. Um, and, and if he's like league average, he doesn't have to be spectacular. If he's league average, like plus or minus five or even 10%, that's fine. If you're getting something from Mitch Moreland, cause then you're replacing uh, Marcus Simeon and, uh, Chris Davis on the aggregate and all of a sudden you got you know two league average bats in the lineup instead and you're doing okay so I think that the A's should be a little bit better I don't know if their record's going to reflect that but talent wise I think that they're pretty solid so you talked about those bullpen additions and it's kind of crazy like you said that they lost Liam Hendricks but it's very possible that the bullpen is just as good as it was last year or the years prior they have a very very good track record of putting out good bullpens so I don't think that's in question for me. I'm looking at the rotation and there are a lot of arms I like. I like Jesus Lazardo. I want to see what AJ Puck does. There are some arms, but it is a little more volatile than usual. Can you talk about their rotation, what to expect, and maybe how things are looking as it currently stands right now? I think the hope right now is that 
the five guys that you've seen before, you got Luzardo and of course I'm drawing blank, uh, Mike Fires, Frankie Montas, Chris Bassett, and Sean Manaya. Hopefully those guys can give you 120 to 150 in the innings range. It's going to be a weird season. How far are the A's going to push their, their regular horses and uh, how much are they going to be relying on guys like Dalton Jeffries who struck out Mookie Betts on three pitches yesterday. Um, and that was the only strikeout that the A's recorded against the Dodgers. Um, how much is he going to be factoring? How much like Grant Holmes and James Caprillion, how much are these guys going to be pitching um, and how ready are they going to be for that moment when it comes? Because as you've alluded to, there's going to be injuries. And I think that they have a decent amount of depth, especially in the bullpen. They've got roughly 12 guys right now that I'm like, yeah, I could see them getting a shot right now. Um, if you know, injuries crop up and whatnot. So it'll be interesting how the depth part goes on that aspect. But if everybody's healthy, I think that you're hoping for uh, just a healthy season from Frankie Montas, who has shown spurts, but he had a little bit of a neck injury last year. And after, you know, a good month, he had a really bad month. And then he kind of rebounded in the playoffs a little bit. So you're not necessarily sure what you're, what you're going to get from him, but he's been really good. And you're hoping for just that more consistently. Jesus Lozardo, if he gives you like a three, three, five ERA, you're taking that. Uh, Mike Fires, if he's league average, I'm, I'm completely fine with that. Uh, Sean Manaya, he struggled in the first uh, half of, the first month of last season. And then once they brought up Jonah Heim, uh, Manaya and Heim had a really nice connection. Jonah Heim was also in that Chris Davis deal. So he's no longer with the team. So does he develop a nice rapport with another catcher? If that's Austin Allen, Sean Murphy, or uh, Aramis Garcia, those are the three main catchers uh, on the roster right now that are going to be vying for playing time. Um, does he work well with one of those guys? Let's see. Um, also, can you get more than five innings from him on you know a more consistent basis? And then uh, AJ Puck, you mentioned, and for me personally, given the injuries that have occurred, that we're expecting this year in his injury history, I think you throw him in the bullpen if you can. Uh, I don't know if you need like nine relievers, but if you can throw him in the bullpen, you can limit his innings load and still get, you know, a couple of innings every few days from him. And I think that that's probably the best way to utilize him. I don't know if they're necessarily going to do that. He's probably going to start off in the minor leagues. Uh, just because of guys that are out of options and guys that are getting paid. But um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of upside there if they kind of reach some of their potential. Before we talk about some of these position battles, I do have to ask about both the Matts, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson. Chapman had his hip issue last year. Matt Olson was not quite as good as he showed in the past. What are you expecting from both of those guys? And I hate to ask this question, but are they going to be involved in trade rumors coming up in the next year or two? Oh, they've already been involved in trade rumors. Um, I, I think that there's a chance that maybe Matt Olson sticks around. He signs an extension if, you know, the A's feel like not pissing off the fans. Chapman's going to get traded at some point. We just don't know when. I've been preparing people. I, I think that'll probably be next offseason. And the only reason that it wouldn't be, because he'd have two years of control and you'd get a better return for him that way if you give two years away as opposed to one. Um, and all the guys that they've signed right here, they're on one-year deals. So they can just tear it down next season anyway. It, it kind of feels like the A's 2014 season where they kind of you know push some chips in and then they tore it all down and then they rebuilt again. So it feels like that's what we're going into this year. So maybe the Angels got a shot next year. Um, but Matt Chapman, I, I'm expecting him to be better and healthy. It looks like he's recovering nicely. He's 
feeling like his his legs are beneath them again, which is good, uh, both in the field and at the plate. Matt Olson's made some adjustments to his swing, or he was watching a lot of video and he's trying to you know do what he had done before that was working. So I'm expecting them to be better. Just because, you know, I, I throw out 2020 stats just because it was a weird season. It was two months. You don't even get a full sample size out of these guys. So I'm expecting them to just come back and rake and do what they do. Hey, Brent. So we just talked about the A's a little bit. And I'm curious what the position battles are looking like with the Angels. Um, what's going on there? Because you got the third base and center field covered, but like in the outfield, you still got some random guys. Uh, is Joe Adele going to be up there? Uh, what's going on at first base? Tell me what the position battles are with the Angels right now. So this is actually the most straightforward the position battles have been in a long time. And I don't know how to feel about it because there actually aren't going to be that many battles. I mean, the rotation as of now is pretty set. We already went over that. You look, you talked about third base, Rendon. You've got Mike Trout in center field. You've got Iglesias at shortstop, David Fletcher at second base. Jared Walsh is almost certainly going to be playing most of the time at first base. Otani at DH. Max Stassi and Kurt Suzuki behind the plate. So you're kind of looking around this team, and there's not much. I will say, if you're looking to see changes during the middle of the season, maybe around June or July, it's very possible that the Angels' top prospects, Joe Adele, Brandon Marsh, are going to make their way to Anaheim. Because right now, Justin Upton has been trending in the wrong direction in left field. Dexter Fowler, the move for him was probably the most perplexing one of the offseason for the Angels because he just hasn't been good for the last handful of years, and there's nothing there to really uh, imply that things are going to get better. So I think everything right now is pretty set. The only position battles I can really think of are the backup outfield position, the utility infield position and some of the last bullpen spots. I won't bore you with the bullpen spots. There are like literally eight to 10 guys who might be able to, to make the bullpen, the utility infield position. You either have Luis Renjifo who was quite bad last year or former a Franklin Barreto looks like he's fully healthy and he is out of options. So that could give him the edge over uh, Renjifo on this roster because I do believe Renjifo does have minor league options. We'll see what happens there. Uh, both of those guys, I don't feel super comfortable with if they're getting too many at-bats. And then you look at the outfield. Uh, right now, it's probably going to be Juan Lagares making the roster just because he can play center field. Dexter Fowler has no business playing center field at this point anymore. He's been bad in right field, so he can't be your backup option. So at this point, the only guy in the minors, the upper minors besides Brandon Marsh is Juan Lagares, who can actually handle center field. So it's pretty straightforward. You're talking about a couple of bullpen spots, backup infielder, backup outfielder. And other than that, it's pretty straightforward. So we can kind of talk about what were you going to say? Where is Albert Pujols going to play? He's not playing first base. He's not playing DH. Where does Albert Pujols fit in? And I know that he's, his wife said he's going to retire. And then it was like, no, 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 no. He's not retiring. I mean, this is his last season with the Angels. but uh, So he's retiring, obviously. But um, where does he fit in? It'll be interesting to see. So I definitely forgot to mention him just because it's so sad. At this point, Pujols has become kind of forgettable. Yes, he gets those milestones and it's still... A little surreal to see him in an Angels uniform, but man, it's just been this slow grind to the end. Um, 
it sounds like Otani's going to pitch. So that does open up at bats at DH for Pujols, which is probably the best spot for him at this point. The problem is he can't really hit anymore. He shows you the occasional home run, but the batting average, the on-base percentage, I mean, he has been below average at the plate for three, four, five years now. So it's tough. I have been on the record of saying the Angels need to move on from this, but it's a little difficult when you're talking about a guy with Albert Pujols' resume. So I don't know. I'm hoping it's fewer plate appearances than we've seen in the last couple years, but I fully expect him to find his way in there because he's that veteran that is going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. Like like a pinch hitter slash quasi-coach, I guess? That's, so that's kind of the direction he's probably going to go. He actually has part of his contract is he is going to be with the angels for 10 years after his contract expires in some sort of, some sort of role. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I definitely expect him to be sticking around maybe as a consultant, maybe a coach, maybe in the front office. I don't know. I, to be honest, I was kind of expecting him to move towards that role a couple of years ago because he did say at one point, when his skills started to diminish that he would retire. And uh, (laughs) I don't know if he's exactly holding, holding true to that promise, but uh, this is the last year of his contract. And as much as it pains me to say, I'm ready for it to be over because Pujols has been awesome for a lot of my life. When I came up as a baseball fan, he was there as the superstar, but it's just been tough to watch him. I feel bad for him though. I mean, he was so good. And then he came to the angels and, I don't necessarily remember him being great with the angels maybe for the first couple of years, but uh, yeah, I don't have him in angels garb uh, as my main memories of him. And he's been with you guys for a while. So uh, that, that stinks. Cause he was so, so damn good for so long. He's still one of the best players in baseball history, even with his crappy seasons. So uh, yeah, it, it is befuddling. And I hope that he uh, plays against the A's a whole bunch. No, no offense. Yeah, no, I'm sure you do. Uh, let's hear about the position battles for the A's because it does sound like there's going to be at least some more interesting options than what the Angels present right now. There's some weird stuff going on. Um, if the A's want to follow my advice and use like Stephen Piscotty or Mark Canna or somebody from their outfield platoon as the DH, then maybe you got some uh, some interesting things happening with their fourth outfielder. Currently, it looks like uh, Rule 5 pick Kai Tom is the guy that would probably get the first look just because he's a Rule 5 pick and he has to make the team and be on the team forever. And uh, he has a nice profile, but he also has an oblique strain right now. So either they're going to be like, we don't have time for that. We have so many other outfielders, Blue Jays, you guys can have him back. Or he'll be on the IL and then that opens up the spot too. Um, I don't know. Obliques always tend to stay around for a long time. So uh, I don't know how much we're actually going to be seeing him. Um, We'll see, but they have a bunch of other lefty outfielders so that they probably weren't as high on as Tom. But uh, I I would say that if he does go down, then it becomes an interesting battle for that fourth outfielder position. And they'll probably be getting some playing time too. So uh, how that works out, you got, you know, Seth Brown, he's been pretty good. Luis Barrera is a top prospect. He's speedy. He's got an arm. Um, he, he can hit for power and average and all that stuff. He, he's good. Um, Buddy Reed is somebody that has been lighting up uh, his Twitter and spring training for the first two days. He's thrown two guys out on the bases. He almost had a third and uh, he had a home run today. So he's a lot of fun. Really like Buddy Reed. He's also fast. Um, 
he also seems like a very nice gentleman. So uh, I like Buddy Reed a lot. This The Locked On Hayes podcast is quickly becoming a Vimy Machin and Buddy Reed podcast because uh, I like rooting for guys that nobody else really cares about. So we just got that email and I'm putting this in the episode where it's like, yeah, talk about your A players and then relate everything back to your A players. I'm like, well, Buddy Reed's my A player. I'm talking about him. Everything revolves around him right now. Uh, no more mats for me. It's all about Buddy. Um, backup catcher is another one that I alluded to. That one is going to be interesting. It's basically between, <clears throat> uh, Austin Allen and RMS Garcia. Um, my guess is that Garcia probably has the leg up personally. That's just my initial take. Uh, he went two for two today, threw out a runner. So that was good. Uh, Austin Allen struck out on three pitches and grounded into a double play in his first at bat. I know it's one game in spring training, but um, I think that developing a rapport with the pitcher will probably be the deciding thing for both of these guys. And I feel like Garcia has more defensive prowess that comes along with him. So, and uh, there was also an article that came out that he was working with uh, Yasmani Grandal, who's a great pitch framer. So if you can add in some framing as well, I think that he has the leg up personally, even though Austin Allen has more experience with the A's arms. So that's a, I don't know if that's really going to be a battle. (laughs) I think that it's Garcia right there. And then whatever the A's are doing at second base, if Jed Lowry's healthy, he might actually play a bit there, which is interesting to other people. But if you're an A's fan, you're like, yeah, Jed Lowry, that makes sense. He leaves for a couple of years and then he comes back. That's just Jed Lowry. And uh, if he does get to play, oh boy, am I excited because he has been good before. Uh, Can he still do that? I have no idea. He hasn't really played in two years, but I'm expecting him to now. So if he can hit 280 and be a switch hitting, uh, you know, second baseman, I'm all for it. And also he could uh, platoon at DH with Mitch Moreland as well. So uh, they've got some, a bunch of rotating options that are going to be interesting. And then finally there for me, it's interesting. I don't know if angels fans are going to be interested in this, but for me, it's interesting. The, the last two spots in the A's bullpen, you got all the guys that I just mentioned that came into camp as basically their locks because um, they're making money and they're out of options. You know, JB Wendelkin is in there too, but then you got Danny Jimenez and Nick Turley. Danny Jimenez is a rule five pick. And so he has to be on the team or he's offered back. And then you also got Nick Turley, who was out of options, and they traded some cash for him, which I know that it's the A's and ha, 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 cash. But uh, the A's saw something in him that they were going to try and fix. So, And he's a a big lefty that throws 97 miles an hour. You don't get too many of those. So if they feel like they can fix him, that is something that you want on your team if you can keep him around. And they've got enough depth in the bullpen that I think that you don't necessarily got to put him in big situations at the beginning of the season. Maybe he works into something else. And then when all of these guys leave next year, you got a spot for him, maybe in the late innings even. So I think that Nick Turley's an interesting guy. He gave up a couple of home runs today, but uh, as I've told my listeners and I'll tell yours right now uh, for him and Danny Jimenez, it's about the progression of their spring training. If they start off, you know, bad, they're working on things right now. They're changing something from being, you know, not great in the major leagues to try and make them respectable or average or better than average uh, major leaguers. So it's about the the progression of their spring. If they give a, if they stink at the beginning, whatever, it doesn't really matter. It's about how they do three weeks in and how they're performing then. So I'm excited about those guys, but if they do make the roster, then that means that uh, Lou Trevino, who I'm sure you guys have a little bit more familiarity with might end up in the minors because he has minor league options. So it's an interesting, if the A's go with an eight man bullpen, unless they go with a nine man bullpen, 
and you know, three man bench. I don't know that uh, Lou Trevino is going to be in their bullpen. So those are the roster uh, situations that I'm keeping an eye on. And I'm very excited about them. Why don't we do some win predictions? And I don't know if you want me to go first. If you want to go first, we can do win predictions. And if the, the teams are going to make the playoffs. Ooh, okay. Can, can we predict each other's win predictions? Like yeah, what your team's going to get and you predict my team? Okay. Yep. Do you want to go first? Yeah, let me, this is a tough one. The A's are always, it's so difficult because you you seem to think that they actually might be a little bit better. I, I think they're a little bit worse, but for the A's, you have to kind of contextualize what, what does that mean? If the A's got worse, they always get the most out of their rosters. So I'm, I'm going to go 88 wins and they're going to get one of the wild card spots. They're going to find their way into the playoffs again. I'm not mad at that. I mean, I disagree. I, I think that they're like 92 to 94 somewhere in that range, but we're in, they're better than what baseball prospectus had them at, which was like 78 wins or something like that. So yes, we think sure. that they're better than that. Also, they changed their tune. They had a season preview today and they had the A's 90th percentile win projection is 88, 89 wins. I think I'm like, you guys just, just like a couple of weeks ago. Sure. They made some moves, but whatever <laughs> for the angels right now. And this could change if they got like Herman Marquez or uh, Jacob Rizzi or something like that. I, I would change my tune, but as of right now, I'd say that they're probably right around an 84 win team. I think they're, pretty good maybe can compete with you know some some right moves but i think that they're just a little bit above 500 personally uh does that sound about right that's basically where i'm at that's actually even a little too optimistic for my taste i think i have them at like 81 wins and i i tell people like that's the most boring and angels-esque answer but that's where i'm at right now i just have not seen anything that signals that they're going to be much better but again They've got Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon. I always start with that. Just having those two guys means that anything could happen. So I could look like an idiot at the end of the year. It's going to be a fun season. And something that I always feel uh, inside, but I don't say it a ton is I root for everybody to do well in, in, you know, especially the A's, but I want people to do good unless they're bad people and then, you know, screw them. But uh, you know, Mike Trout seems like a nice guy. And he had a TikTok the other day and I, uh, I saved it and I was going to share it. And I was like, I don't want to do that to Mike Trout. That'd be mean. I'm just going for clout. I don't need to do that. <laughs> so that's the kind of person I am <laughs> is I want everybody to do good. And I know that in baseball, somebody's succeeding if somebody else is failing. And so it's kind of hard to, you know, I just wanted to average out where everybody hits 300 and uh, everybody has, you know, 20 wins and 200 strikeups or whatever. So yeah. uh, it's, it's, maybe I'm a little bit more optimistic. I'm in the same boat because like this might get me killed on the, the lockdown angels podcast, but like, I like watching the A's play. I like watching angels A's games in Oakland either on TV or in person. It's just, it's fun. They're very different. I think we talked about the stadium on the last, the last time we talked and like, yeah, it's not the nicest stadium. Yes. It's weird that it has so much foul territory, but it's weird. It's fun. They've got all the, the instruments going on. Like all of it is so unique to, to Oakland. So but I will say, I, I want the Angels to be good again because back in 2014, when the A's and Angels both had very good rosters, like nothing beats that. That is so fun to see both teams just performing well at the same time. So I'm hoping we can see that again this year. Even in my youth, I still respected the crap out of the Angels because Mike Sosha, everybody's going first to third. And I was like, these guys are such a pain in the butt. 
Um, but you, you had to respect them because they were a really good team. And when the A's and Angels are going at it, it, it's a lot of fun. And even if, you know, one team's obviously better than the other, and I'm not saying A's or I'm not saying specifically the A's, but, uh, you know, because it goes up and down. Um, whoever is the better team, it's always like roughly 500. They usually split the season series, which is always interesting to me just because they know what the other team's doing and they adjust and whatnot. So it's always a lot of fun. Um, do you have a prediction on how the season series will go this year? I know that I kind of tipped my hand a little bit, but uh... oh, this, this is always tough because it's 19 games is a lot, but it's also not that many games. Uh, I'm going to go, let's say the Angels win it 10 to 9. Well, okay. I was going to say 10 to 9 A's, but I'm going to say uh, 19 wins for the A's. And I think that we're out of time. So. <laughs> we're going to end it there. And that's, that's it. Send your hate mail to Brent McGuire. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I think that, you know, they're usually evenly matched no matter who's actually better on paper or whatnot, whoever has Mike Trout. Um, it, it's usually pretty even because Mike Trout's going to win the Angels a couple of games on his own. Uh, there was that a uh, fun game last year where uh, both Matt Chapman and Mike Trout, it was early August, I want to say. It was like the first couple yep. of weeks of the season. They both just went off and each, I think Chapman hit a couple homers and Trout may have hit a couple and then like the game winning hit or something like that. Um, I, I, I remember, remember being exactly like, this is the, talking about. this is the race for the AL MVP right here. And then Chapman got hurt and uh, Mike Trout, you know, finished on the top five or whatever <laughs> so, yeah no, exactly I, I don't even have to look i'm like he finishes in the top five every year he, random guess <laughs> last so. year I, I don't know if you saw his quote uh, that trout said last year was a doubt or a bad year for him yes, not even I a down year that. he said it was bad i'm like it must be nice to have a bad year and finish fifth in mvp voting that's just how high his bar is that is hilarious to me um so I wasn't actually going to ask you this, but uh, Bet Online, one of our sponsors, they released the uh, the AL MVP odds, and Mike Trout obviously has the best odds to win AL MVP. How does he not win more MVPs? So the easy answer before was Mookie Betts happened to play in the same league. Mookie Betts is in the NL now. Mm -hmm. Francisco Lindor is in the NL now. So you're looking at the MVP race in the AL, and I would say there are four or five guys in the NL that can absolutely win it. In the AL, it's a little less obvious now. There's a pretty big gap. So, I mean, to answer your question, like the easiest way possible, he wasn't winning MVPs because there are some years where the voters decide to emphasize team winning over what the actual player does. But I am I will say, I'm surprised Trout has won as many MVPs as he has. Not because I don't think he's the best player in baseball, but just because voters tend to, vote in very weird and uh, different ways they like uh switching it up a little bit too like every like in the nba you'll get like lebron like seven years in a row that's an exaggeration obviously but you'll get you know the same guy winning every year in major league baseball you're like i can make a case for this guy i'm gonna give him my first place vote this year and I, it goes more that way does Strat have three or four right now he's got three three and i mean he should have won 2012 so <laughs> You I can make that's the case. when I he took could, my first stance on sabermetrics. Yeah. <laughs> he could have taken 2012. He could have taken 2015. Uh, fans like to argue 2018. Mookie Betts was uh, insane in 2018. True, that true. was one of the all-time greats. 
Yeah, I think 2012 was the year that uh, Sabermetrics radicalized me. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about this later in the week, so I don't want to spoil too much of it. But I think that Matt Chapman has a pretty good shot. I'm, he's usually in the top like six or seven guys, but uh, I'm going to make a case for Matt Chapman as the AL MVP this year, according to the uh, the odds makers and whatnot, because I think that he's got a decent shot. There, there's a way that it could happen. And uh, you'll have to listen to my podcast to find that out. But um, yeah, I, I'm excited to watch You know, the Angels again, it, learn some more faces and names and see how... Jose Quintana does because I know that he wasn't like a big ad, but he has a history of being good. He feels like a very angels pitcher. So if he can rebound a little bit, maybe they got some, uh, some stuff. How many of your guys uh, throw breaking balls, like good breaking balls? Oh, that's uh there. There are a couple guys. Dylan Bundy's actually got two pretty good breaking balls. Felix Pena has one of the best sliders in baseball. And I don't think anybody realizes that. Um, Bryce Hill Iglesias has got a couple of really good breaking pitches. Alex Cobb has a great split change that came back after his Tommy John surgery. Uh, Otani is the obvious one. And I don't even know if we didn't really talk about him too much. Uh, he hit hundred miles per hour in his bullpen over the weekend. So they get a healthy Otani, which obviously that's a big if, but yeah. when he was on in 2018, I mean, he's got incredible stuff. He was so good. And I, I, as just a baseball fan, I hope that he gets to pitch like a lot. That would be so much fun because I, I like watching him twirl the pill, as they say. Um, I, I only ask that because uh, as we're recording this, it's Monday, but it'll be the day after I released my thing on. I don't think the A's can hit breaking balls uh, segments on my podcast. So um, that's why I ask, because I, I think that it's scary if they just face a bunch of guys with decent breaking pitches. So. Uh, we'll see if that's a storyline to keep an eye out for. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I think that we covered everything. I'm excited for baseball. Are you excited for baseball, Brent? I'm so pumped. I I, I will say uh, watching the spring training game on Monday, it was, it kind of hits you real fast. You're like, yes, baseball's back. But then you're in the fifth inning of a spring training game and it's like two and a half hours in all the backups are and you're like, okay, now I'm ready for the regular season. So have you guys been doing seven inning games or are you guys doing the full nine? It's weird. We did seven innings on Sunday and then five innings on Monday. And that game still lasted two and a half hours. It was a drag. It was so crazy. I think that the A's, oh, I, I wasn't paying attention to the clock. I was having so much fun with their bludgeoning of the Reds on Monday. But uh, yeah, I think that it lasted like two hours and 45 minutes and they won 13 to five. So there was oh a lot goodness. of stuff going on. Um, it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. I like early spring training games because they make a bunch of random additions like Nick Turley or Danny Jimenez or, you know, Buddy Reed's a guy that I liked a lot last spring training. And then you get to go see them play a little bit and get excited about them all over again. That's my favorite part of early spring training games. Then later on, you're like, all right, well, Matt Chapman's doing fine, but I, I like it when it's just a, a big mess on the roster. So yeah, that's my yeah, favorite no part of spring training. And I should say, it was awesome seeing Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, all those guys back on the field again. It's just there, you get late in the games, you're like, oh man, this it's it's not, we we know it's not real. Like yeah. it's baseball, but they're exhibition games. So, but like you said, I'm I'm stoked that baseball's back. Did you guys have any uh innings called because of the mercy rule yet? Because that was a lot of fun. <laughs> there was one inning where Luke Bard, who somehow finds his way on the Angels 40-man roster again, uh couldn't get out of an inning and they didn't just end the inning they let him pitch and then had to pull him 
mid inning. And it was, it was so I felt for the guy in that, that specific moment. The A's had two back-to-back innings. They scored uh, three runs and then four runs. And uh, both times the Reds were like, he's throwing too many. Can we just stop? And they just had like the bases loaded one inning, I believe in like second and third. And this time, the second time I was like, yeah, well, this is weird, but it, it's fun still because it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, it's not that important. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, I will let you go. You will let me go because we are co-hosting. We are not uh, one. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so, yeah, uh, where can the people find you on social media and all that stuff? Uh, you can find me on BMAGS94 on Twitter. If you want to find my written work, I'm at Crashing the Pearly Gates. And where can we find you? I am at by Jason B on Twitter. The show is at Locked On A's. Uh, I tweet more A stuff from the Locked On A's account because uh, that's branding right there, my friends. Um, yeah, so that's it for me. That's it for you. Uh, I guess we'll we'll have to do this again, maybe before they play an actual game that means something. Uh, we'll see, and then then the Angels will hope that the mercy rule will still a thing, so it'll be fun. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All, All right, right man. man, take it easy. You too.